0: Get in the know, non-stop Vikings talk. It's Purple Daily on Score North and ScoreNorth.com. Purple Daily, presented by Surly Brewing Company. Justin, when he comes out and says that, says, hey, this is on me, how
1: do you guys receive that as players? What kind of message does that send? Uh, that he's, he's trying to be accountable of, of him. Uh, I mean, he's trying to take, take a, a look out for the team, uh, I mean, he, he knows what's, what's out on that field. He knows the, the stuff that we left on the field as players. Uh, so, so for him to take, take, the, uh, take the fall for it, uh, it definitely shows that he's, he's trying to be accountable. Uh,
0: so we just got to be accountable as players and, and go out there and perform. Oh, yeah, but sure. Go ahead and mock the head coach, Judd, for just oh, meaningless. Fall, falling, falling on the sword is meaningless. Nobody mocked him, it, he's already making an impression with one of yeah. the team leaders yep. by being accountable.
1: And you know what? By, by the 72nd time that he says, it's my fault, it's going to fall on deaf ears. You need to be careful with that. That's all I'm saying. Well, there's only 17 games, so. But that's I'm, I'm saying. Several, se- several, yeah. You know what? He's on track. He's pacing. I've done the math. He's pacing. <laughs> He's two for two. He's pacing. He's 70. 70- no, because he said it like four times on Wednesday.
0: I think. <laughs> oh, we're counting all of. Oh the yeah, we're press counting all of okay. the. My fault. Okay. Well, uh, this is daily Vikings entertainment and therapy in this case. This week, <laughs> this uh, this short week. Leading into Lions Week. It's a feedback Friday here, which means we turn the show over to you guys with your comments, questions, concerns, critiques. We just want the Vikings to win a Super Bowl before we die on this show. Phil Mackey, Judd Zolged, our executive producer, Declan Goff. And the show is presented by TCL, one of the world's best-selling consumer electronics brands. They have a new lineup of award-winning TVs delivering the most entertainment with stunning resolution, all at an affordable cost. Enjoy more of the things you love with TCL, and also back inside U.S. Bank Stadium, the glorious Before I Die can of Surly. We hope that you guys will continue to show us pictures of.
1: Yes, and in fact, um, for home game two on Sunday against Detroit, Before I Die, available again. And look, it worked the first time, right? Before I Die, all I know is with it being sold in a stadium, the Vikings are 1-0. and Um, And and you you can certainly find that delicious beer. And if you can't find that beer, guess what? Surly Brewing available throughout the stadium. I saw a bunch of Logic Bomb cans uh, in week one as well. But Before I Die is the motto of this show. And it is the motto of Vikings fans. And Surly has brewed a delicious beer. So pick it up. And as Phil said, show us your cans. Just tweet us at Score North. Uh, with a picture of your can and the stadium, and perhaps the Vikings can improve to 2-0 at home.
0: All right, let's start with uh, the comments here. A lot of these are coming in through the Score North app. There's a feedback tab. You can always send us stuff throughout the week. We compile some of the best and uh, most interesting or hilarious questions. Let's start with Sharif Rashid here. He says, here's my theory. Kevin O'Connell has spoken, and I should back up a step. I think the theme of some of the early questions here is, how will KOC and Kirk bounce back? The partnership, the offensive mastermind partnership that is averaging only 15 points per game, single digits last week. How can they bounce back here? Sharif Rashid says, here's my theory. Kevin O'Connell has spoken highly of Kirk Cousins throughout the offseason and after week one. KOC has never coached a Kirk meltdown from the head coaching perch. He has from the quarterback coach perch, but not as a head coach. KOC can say his goal for Kirk is to play with a quiet mind, but maybe he had to see in person how frantic Kirk can get sometimes. The pass to Adam Thielen that resulted in an interception. Look at Kirk's body language. You could immediately tell he was going to throw an interception. How KOC moves forward with him will say a lot. I will hold him accountable now that he has seen it in person. Love the show. I'll be in town for the Lions game this weekend. Very excited. So, yeah, I'll, I'll form a question off this. What do you think KOC learned? So he's taking accountability, right? Maybe they didn't call they didn't call enough runs or whatever, but what do you think as it pertains to his partnership with Kirk that he learned on Monday night?
1: Um, that it is very easy, and it sounds really good to say that your quarterback should play with a quiet mind. I mean, it sounds great. Like, yeah, you know what? That sounds exactly right. But when you go to Philadelphia on a Monday night, hostile environment, good defense, good team, Ah, uh, keeping a quiet mind is difficult, and so I think what KOC learns here, and and you know, in fairness to him, he's going to learn a ton. Like there is a lot of things he is a, a a calm, cool, and collected guy. I I do believe, but there's a lot that he has never had to do. Like it's one thing to watch McVeigh, and it's another to say, okay, now you are McVeigh. And so, yeah, I think he learned that it's one thing to say. I want Kirk to play with a quiet mind. And then in home games, you probably see that a bit. But then you go to Philadelphia, and it's like, whoa. So it's a valuable learning lesson, and and I agree with the comment, too. Um, I think you need to see Kirk up close firsthand again to see how he processes. So, like, it's one thing to watch him on film. It's another to actually be talking to, to him as he comes off the field after a pick or to be going through a tough game with Kirk. So, yeah, I think this is all part of the learning process. And I guess my question is, is there going to be enough time to fix the things when, when they go wrong? Because when they go well, Phil, mm-hmm. it's going to look great. It's going to look fine.
0: Yeah. I mean, it's just the the the, the first two weeks, we got the entire Kirk Cousins experience yep. in the first two weeks of the season. Where right. the, the, the first game, everything, you're playing at home, and so you have an inherent just advantage when it comes to crowd noise and vibes and everything. You jump out to a lead. You hit a couple big passes early. Now your defense is going to be able to pin their ears back a little bit. Like the game flow was perfect. Mm-hmm. It, it you you didn't have to come from behind by fourteen points. You get out in front and you just get you get to ride the the tempo of the game the way that you drew it up. And he is great in those scenarios. I mean, he is one of the best front running quarterbacks when conditions are great, offensive lines protecting largely, etc. There, there, are, there are quarterbacks that are ranked ahead of him generally that aren't as good as he is when conditions are perfect. But then, you go to week two, and inevitably, you can't keep conditions perfect for four months or five months. Road games, good teams, playoff caliber teams, you fall behind once in a while, and you kind of saw how things just get sped up, and I think Again, for four-plus years, I've been wanting to see more of this, and I'm sure Kevin O'Connell would like to see more of this, but it's a three-hour game, man. Just because you get smoked in the first quarter or punched in the mouth or you're seeing some different defensive looks or the protection's not right or whatever, I think it feels oftentimes like if something bad happens early with Kirk that now it's like, oh, my God, now the whole game's going to be this way. Even if it's not, he kind of operates as if it's going to be that way. And uh I would just like to see a little bit more chill and a little bit more calm and belief, and maybe he doesn't have enough reference points for i mean think about how many reference points Patrick Mahomes, for instance, has created down by two scores or double digits or trip or three touchdowns or whatever it is. It's like, yeah, I, I know that I have the arm talent, I know that we've done this before as an offense, not ideal to be down twenty four to ten right now, but you know certainly not insurmountable, you know they just they need to. Be comfortable getting punched in the mouth once in a while in a football game on the road early and just coming back. The Eagles left that door open for you. You got Justin oh, Jefferson, Adam Thielen, that. like, yeah, yeah just uh, it's okay, dude. Take a deep breath. Kevin O'Connell, too. Take a deep breath.
1: The weird thing about, about the, the Eagles game in particular to me was this. Kirk faced some, not a ton, of adversity against the Packers, and he faced pressure. And ordinarily, I would expect him to collapse. But against the Packers, he actually didn't. He actually, he navigated the pocket, I believe, as well as I have ever seen him in his career. Or at least in the time I've watched him as a Viking. So that was sort of weird because that opened to me a real ray of hope of, oh, hold on a second here. Like, this guy's got some pressure and he's still completing Mm -hmm. passes and he's making smart plays and he's not fumbling. And so I guess I, so... I think what you're saying might be the common denominator, which is when too much goes wrong, he just absolutely starts to collapse. And, you know, the thing that I've grown to love about sports is I actually now think the flaws are the beauty, especially at that spot. Look at how many guys, I mean, hell, Brady all the time, has a really bad quarter or a really bad drive or a really bad play. And he gets up, and it's like it never happened. And you know what? I sometimes feel like Kirk wants to win pretty. Like, it's got to be flawless. And and that's sort of Kirk's character, right? Like, things have to be in order. But sports, and football in particular, are never going to be. Yeah. And so, I guess my question is this. Can Kevin O'Connell get Kirk to a point where if all hell breaks loose, he can forget it? Because so far, we have never seen Kirk in his career be able to get to that step
0: and real quick on the on the flip side him having everything so meticulously in order and being a preparation freak and being being a guy that studies how to avoid train wrecking games I mean all of this has played into him becoming one of the 15 best quarterbacks in the world when he probably shouldn't have been he wasn't on a top 100 yeah recruiting list coming out of high school. He was a fourth-round pick coming out of college. He had to climb over six other guys on a depth chart at Michigan State. You know, he was drafted to be the backup to RG3, and it's like at every step, his meticulousness and preparation has been the thing that carries him. But it's also the thing that puts a glass ceiling on, <laughs> yes. on his game sometimes. So very interesting you know
2: some people kind of mocked and I know this guy won a couple Super Bowls so I'm not putting him in the same vein but like Eli Manning always had that kind of aloof look on the sidelines like there's a lot of just honestly hilarious memes of of Eli just kind of staring into the distance but there was never really a teeth clenching the classic like I saw pictures of Kirk on the sidelines in Philly where it's the helmet is on he's locked in or he's got he's trying to hear or he's locked in with his teeth clenched like as much as Eli Manning was like kind of a his walking, his dentist
0: would not be happy. His no. dentist, are you are, you, are, you, clean, are, are you
2: grinding your teeth? Is that TMJ, Kirk? You know, tonight. like there's, there's no question. There's a lot of lot man. of issues there. But like as much <sighs> as people make fun of Eli Manning, like he just kind of had the aloofness mm-hmm. of all right, I'm gonna shake it off and go out there. And if I throw another pick, I'll throw another pick. Where where Kirk is basically like ten to two on the wheel, trying to hold the steering
0: wheel in place. Yeah, uh, D M N one four four seven in the, I think, the YouTube comment section here. Mackie and Judd are not allowed to complain or be snarky about Kirk throwing interceptions because you guys said all summer you want Kirk to take more risks. Uh And I will say this is a a fair point. Uh I'm not actually mad about the three interceptions just big picture-wise. I think if you want to boil it down to, hey, they fell behind by three scores. They were down 24-7. Interceptions are now on the table in the second half because you gotta, you gotta force it a little bit now. They, they know you're gonna pass. They're going to get more pressure. It's just gonna be harder to do what you need to do. And so you're gonna have to force some passes. And I am, I am comfortable with that largely. But then I think if you look at the way, I think there's, there's room to say, yeah, interceptions in some cases, you just, you gotta throttle down and it's gonna happen. But then on the other side, you can also say, Fading off your back foot and throwing a lame duck to a defender when you could have thrown it to the back pylon, like there's some breakdown of how the interceptions happened. Yes. and there's some criticism there. So, yes. like to me, throwing throwing a laser to Justin Jefferson and then he breaks off the wrong route. Listen, you're trying you're trying to force a ball into a window to Justin Jefferson and Slay is on him, and that would have been a 50, kind of a fifty fifty ball anyways because he's coming across the the face of a great cornerback. I'm with you. So like that interception and then he breaks the wrong route. Well, you were you were trying to make a play 15 yards down the field. So there's there's some nuance in here. Yeah.
1: Yes. Yeah, the third one bugged me. You you start I think at the 9 um that pass to to your point has to go uh basically it has to go to the back pylon and that is a Jefferson catches it or no one does. And Kirk had pressure and lofted the ball up and here's the thing about the Kirk stance. They they will say but look at the pressure. I mean Patrick said, same thing. It was a jailbreak, right? But that's the whole thing about that play. Like, yes, you're going to get pressure. I think that what we don't talk about enough is that type of pressure, while not ideal, can be your friend. Because it's freeing.
0: If it's a a blitzer. If it's a blitzer.
1: If it's a blitzer, right, correct. Because it's freeing up people. But the point is that that's a bad pick. That's a bad pick. I'm with you, Phil. Pick one is a good one. And Jefferson screwed up. Okay, cool. Let's go back and do But you know what we but you know what you can't have and we probably didn't say this enough. We definitely talked about it times. You know what you cannot have? You can't have Kirk collapse because he threw a pick. And that's my problem. He can't he's got to say screw it. We're back. We're I'm more confident now than I was before I threw it. And that's where that's where cuz I don't think Matthew Stafford I shouldn't say he doesn't care that's not fair. I don't think Matthew Stafford is too phased, and that's where we need and that's where O'Connell needs to get Kirk to a point where okay Kirk, good pick, bad pick, indifferent, don't care, you gotta go back out there and you gotta shove it down the defense's throat,
0: yeah, no it but how do you how do you change the wiring of someone's brain that's thirty four years old that's that's that is essentially the project that Kevin O'Connell has taken on here, right that yes. That when things get tough, I can elevate him in a way that no other coach has to this point. Correct. Uh, Matthew Sperling via the Scornorth app says, I think the take a lot of fans are missing is that the Eagles game was Kevin O'Connell's second regular season game calling plays in his career. Yep, He is still learning who Kirk is and what he can and can't do within his system. Kirk said it best after week one. The team will go as far as Quasey and Kevin O'Connell take them, and Kirk is just <laughs> along for the ride. It's good that KOC learned this in week two and not week 18 with a playoff berth on the line. And I think he's being a little tongue-in-cheek with, you know, Kirk, all right, guys, a great win. We're going to go as far as these two guys take Phil us. Phil Mackey got in trouble for that. We're just the ride here. <laughs> oh, man. Um, but, yeah, like, this is where I've, I've tried to be a voice of reason all week. It, it was, a, it was a, an ugly loss, but at the end of the day, it's a loss that we all expected on the schedule. And this thing was never going to be honed and perfect after the second week of the season. Maybe we were all riding a little too high after the way it looked against the Packers. But yeah, Kevin O'Connell deserves some grace period here to figure out himself as a play caller, as a game planner throughout the week. What can Kirk do in live action? It's one thing to, hey we're going to test all this stuff out in a live practice under the lights against our own guys right or against the Niners for a day and a half yes exactly. it's another thing to go on the road on Monday Night football so there is a test and measure period here that and by the way they might start like 2 and 3 or something they, there's a good they, and that dolphins game is way tougher the, the the dolphins and the lions games are way tougher now than they than we thought they were going to be a month ago so I'm gonna give as much grace as possible here within reason over the right. next month because I wanna see what it looks like after the buy when they get a boatload of home games and they've got some mediocre opponents on their schedule.
1: Absolutely. Yeah. And in fact, that's a great point because I just wrote a column about that at my new home, Vikingswire.com. Oh, look at this. Vikingswire.com, yes, a USA Today plug-in. offshoot. Thank you very much. I just wrote a column and I said the same exact thing. Uh and we did discuss this before the season started, which is And this is the important part, but this is where it's hard because you got to separate Kirk and KOC, which we're rarely going to do. The whole offense and play calling and distribution thing is going to be a work in progress, and there's no way around it. There is no way around it. First of all, I'm not going to criticize them for not playing starters in the exhibition games because with how exhibition games are now, it's not worth it. And you were never going to play them long enough to get them like, okay, we're ready for week one. So, one, I'm not, I don't think it's fair or just to criticize that. But two, when we look at Cook, who, who I believe through the first two games last year had something like 42 rushing attempts and now it's at like what, 21 or something like that?
0: Establish the run. Yeah, yes.
1: Exactly. So, <laughs> when we look at Thielen, when we look at Cook, when we look at Osborne, all of those things are going to take time. And we all did say in KOC's defense, get the ball to Jefferson, which I, stu- which yeah. I still believe is correct. But, yeah, this is going to be – patience is going to be thin, and I get that. But as far as, like, finished product, oh, my God, this thing is a high-flying, well-oiled machine. If you really thought that was going to come in week one or two, you didn't pay attention. That's just not going to be possible, unfortunately.
0: Lucas Kofel here. This is great. So, so Lucas, he has a dilemma here. I'm not sure. Sh- well, I'll just read this to you guys. He's tapping into us for maybe some therapy, some counseling here, okay? We're here for him, Luke. He says, what is the cutoff for a Cousins Crusader? Now, he is kind of a Cousins Crusader himself. So he is telling okay. the story as a guy who kind of likes Kirk Cousins. He's asking us. Okay. He says, I got into an argument via text last night after the game, a couple nights ago. The premise of the argument made to me from my friend was that Kirk was to blame for the loss. I responded that the blame was to be spread. Kirk is fully responsible for the second interception and half responsible for the first interception. The third saw six man rush out of an empty set. No inside quick hot reads. He threw it up to his best receiver in the end zone. Uh, They needed points, whatever. Kirk didn't play well and shoulders a strong portion of the blame. But my point was that we also need to adjust route schemes against the Blitz. The response I got from my friend was, you are a Kirk defender. And the person said they can't argue with a Kirk defender. I will admit, I have high opinions of Kirk. He's a top 12 quarterback. In my mind, he's top 10. I don't ignore his flaws. I always put a fair amount of blame on him when he deserves it. But he's also a guy that's harder to replace than people think. He's got a couple other things in here in general, but Mm -hmm. this is probably the second or third time I have been called a Kirk Crusader or Defender. Can you solve my identity crisis and tell me if it's true? Is Lucas a Cousins Crusader? I think we're bordering on a a personality
1: disorder that comes close to it but doesn't cross the line completely. And I say that because of this. Um, Is Kirk solely responsible for that loss? No, he's absolutely not. But you know, when you get into parsing why he's not, and you know he's not, he didn't do this and that. It, it rubs me the wrong way because that's what it always comes back to with Kirk. We're always looking yeah, well, for well, why.
0: Look at, well, look at the yeah. At I, you oh, don't understand. Oh, there was but, a blitz you know, coming. Well. There was a
1: blitz coming. and he, How is he <laughs> supposed to handle the blitz? So what's I, he
0: supposed to do? <laughs> so
1: I would say, I would say, Lucas, you don't need to go to cousin crusader treatment, but you need to watch yourself and be careful here because we don't want you to end up there. We we don't want you over, to have
0: over the counter meds here maybe. Exactly. Counter, exactly. Uh, and we're here yeah. for you.
1: And we're here for you. And and yeah, I don't I as a one off, I definitely don't put like that. Oh, the entire losses on Kirk Cousins. That's not true. But when you get into that, well, here's why it's not on him. And, and and it feels like the Crusaders get like more and more defensive then, and it's by the end it's like not only is the loss not on Kirk, it's on everybody else and that's where I I would caution Lucas, be careful here because we don't want you in cousin crusader treatment.
0: Yeah. You know, I think, man, I was I was kind of with you that you know you can you can kind of parse it apart. It's never it's never gonna be fully his fault, but that's the problem. It's never right. There's always there's always a million ways to show how it's not his fault. But sometimes it's not about who's at fault. It's about who's gonna be the solution when things are crumbling, and it's very rarely that he is. He's usually sort of riding the level of the team and the things around him. Mm-hmm. Uh, but where I will say, Lucas, unfortunately, where you do cross into Cousins Crusader territory is when you say he is one of the 10 best quarterbacks in the world. He's one of the 10 best quarterbacks when conditions are perfect. He's not one of the 20 best quarterbacks when conditions are imperfect. And uh, so, I mean, there is a list of guys. I, Mahomes, Rodgers, Josh Allen, Herbert, Brady, Lamar, to me Russell Wilson, Joe Burrow, Matthew Stafford, Kyler Murray when things are imperfect. Kyler Murray can and he's got flaws too, but th- and there's a couple other guys on here too that you just right. Who are you bumping from that list? Who are you yes, who are right. you bumping from that list, you know? Yep. Some people might say Lamar. Jalen Hurts is probably close to well, that. Well, yeah, list down by point, you know? down by a touchdown, all right?
1: You get the ball 2 minutes left. Like like let's just do that. Where do you put Kirk in? I'll take him. Because that list that you just read. So, so, like, we could debate about, well, Jalen Hurts an entire game. Now, I do like him. But my point yeah. is, it's crunch time. You're down by a touchdown. You need to score points. Who do you take? Uh, Kirk, is, Kirk is way down my
0: list there. Way it's down. Russell Wilson. Joe Burrow, yeah, I mean Aaron Joe Rogers. Burrow's off to a terrible start, still, but he also missed a month and a half with an appendectomy.
1: And I'm going to tell you right now, that is no <laughs> excuse, zero excuse, because I came back for Week One and I've been tearing it up, hot takes ever since. <laughs> okay,
0: uh, gentlemen, I want to I want to shout out our friends real quick here at Prize Picks. So Prize Picks is a very easy and fun way to play daily fantasy. And last week, even though it was a crushing loss, if you were paying attention to old Macadex recommendations, and you shouldn't by any means take my advice on how to win money on prize picks. But I did tell you to take the over on Kirk Cousins rushing yards and the over on Adam Thielen targets. Yes. A little parlay there would have, uh, you know, would have paid off your mortgage or, I don't know, something. So here's how it works. You pick between two and five players and an over-under on their projections. You can win up to 10 times on any entry. You can run mixed sports entries too, a little football over here, a little baseball over there. Use the promo code NORTH. And Price Picks will match your first deposit up to $100. Check out the app, the PrizePix app, or the website, prizepicks.com, promo code NORTH. Um, also, a shout-out to our friends over at Nutrisource, the official dog food of Purple Daily and Mackie and & Judd and Maya and Stella. In fact, for the YouTube audience, here is a video of Maya licking her chops, trying to jump up to a delicious scoop of Nutrisource. We are all about the chicken and rice food in this house. And I know that you guys are all about gut health and digestion with Stella over in your house, Judd.
1: Yes, and that, that comes both through through her food, which she absolutely loves. In fact, as we've talked about before, wakes me up early in the morning to get, and also the delicious treats. Um, I'm gonna tell you right now, Stella, a nutrisource dog through and through. Absolutely loves it, and unlike your dog, Phil, she's about 12, so it's like we, we got to get the joint health right, too, and all of that. Nutrisource helps us every day keep Stella healthy, happy, and well-fed.
0: Uh, and then, uh, you know, it's going to feel like for that Lions defense, when the Vikings offense snaps back into it, it's going to be raining footballs <laughs> like hail. On the Lions' defenders' heads,
2: Declan. I got. I got to hit up our guy Adam and see if Dan Campbell's already made his appointment at Hale Ace, because uh, there, there's going to be a lot of damage coming out of that Lions' defense, and potentially all over the place. And, you know, if you had some hail damage on your car this spring, we had some hail this week. uh, Go check out our friends at Hail Ace. Hail Ace repairs have zero cost to you, and they will save your deductible. They'll even provide rental car reimbursements, and they work with your insurance company to handle your claim from start to finish. Hail damage claims do not raise your insurance. So our guy Adam will help you out with all that information. Book your appointment now for this at hailace.com. Go to hailace.com.
0: All right, back to the comments, the feedback, the questions, concerns, critiques, the therapy requests, you name it. Uh, Let's go to Preston via the YouTube comment section here. He says, Judd talks about Mahomes-style quarterbacks being better than pocket passers, so like mobile quarterbacks. Yes. Being better than mobile, we'll call them mobile improvisational quarterbacks that can keep plays alive, right? Being better than pocket passers for winning championships. Yet only two of the last 10 Super Bowl winning quarterbacks fit that mold. And I think only three in the history of Super Bowls fit that mold. He's just pointing out that maybe you're too high on that style quarterback. And I will jump in here real quick and say, so the Super Bowl's been around for, what, 50-some-odd years? What are we at now? Super Bowl 56? Five, something. Something. Six yeah. or yeah. seven. It, it's old. It's right? like me. So for the first, like, 30-plus Super Bowls, yeah, didn't exist. mobile quarterbacks were moved to wide receiver. Yeah, Tarkington was like positions. the one, right? Yeah. Through the 70s. And then... You had a couple guys maybe in the 80s, and, and Randall Cunningham was pretty mobile, but it was, a, it was a rarity. You didn't see these dudes in the NFL because they weren't given the chance to be in the NFL. Right. Now, like, and this is the thing, even like the stat about only two in the last 10 years. Well, the last 10 years is still cluttered with, like, the Brady, Manning, you know, the, 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 like Rodgers is actually pretty mobile. But how many of these athletic freak quarterbacks even existed in the NFL before 10 years ago? Mahomes, Herbert is an athletic freak with ridiculous arm talent that can keep plays alive. Josh Allen, Kyler Murray, Lamar Jackson, Jalen Hurts, Russell Wilson, Dak Prescott can move. Carson Wentz can move. Make fun of him all you want. The guy can move. Uh, Trevor Lawrence can move. I just listed like, I don't know, a third of <laughs> right. the quarterbacks right off the top of my head right there. And that, and they all came in the league in the last 10 years.
1: And he's probably not thinking of guys like that. But yeah, that that's the thing is, I, I guess the starting point question is, can you move? Cause like you don't have to be, Mahomes. Like that's nice, that's awesome. But I think that when I think to, to this day, when we think of mobile quarterbacks, we think of like just the guys that can just you know Vic like type of guys. Um, but there is a long list of guys who can who can improvise to use your word, Phil, um, and make their life easier. So yeah, I'm talking about the straight drop back. If, if I was a GM and trying to build a team. My desire in 2022 would not be to get a straight drop-back guy who sits in the pocket. Now, Brady, clearly it's great. It's been fantastic. But I want the ability to be able to move. Now, Kirk can do it when it's schemed out, but he doesn't really do it well if if it has to be improvised. And that's where it at least concerns me, especially when your pocket awareness throughout your career has not always been great. Yeah.
0: You know what's kind of funny, too? I I always find... This this notion of, well, they're, it's all just statuesque pocket passers for the first 40 years in the NFL, that's actually not true at all. If you look at, look, look at the, ni- the late 80s into the 90s, for instance, and the quarterbacks that were making it to Super Bowls, winning Super Bowls, John Elway was extremely athletic and mobile, and he played in five Super Bowls. By the end of his career when he won the two Super Bowls, he wasn't nearly as mobile. He did have that iconic helicopter right. spin run into the end zone yes. against the Packers. Steve Young won a Super Bowl. Oh, yeah. He's one of the most mobile quarterbacks in NFL history. He was a freak. Brett Brett Favre won back-to-back MVPs and a Super Bowl and he was one of the most mobile. He that dude kept plays alive with his leg. People forget cuz we see, we think about the end of the career statue version of Favre. Yep. At the beginning of his career, that guy was a running quarterback in college who wasn't really allowed to throw. Yep. And then he and then he developed this, you know, this amazing ability to 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 rack up yardage and so even in the areas where we think it was more statue quarterbacks and hand the ball off, a lot of those guys could move around a lot. They weren't running for a 1,000 yards like Michael Vick or like Lamar Jackson, but you know the the ability to move and be athletic is becoming more and more the norm among quarterbacks that get drafted and put in these positions. And so if you don't have that talent, it just makes it a little harder for you to rise above. Like, Think about how much better you have to be at all the other things mm-hmm. if you can't escape pressure and keep five extra plays alive during a game, right? Absolutely. So um, let's see here. Joe Haas via the Score North app says, I couldn't help but notice the difference in team building approaches between the Eagles and Vikings on Monday night. The Eagles had a great core from 2017 and made tough decisions shortly after to move on from key players, recoup assets in trades, get younger and cheaper at premium positions. It wasn't popular at times, but they've had a quick and successful rebuild. The Vikings had an almost great core in 2017 and have done everything they can to hang on to aging players from that run. Most of not all of the veteran leaders that ownership decided to sit down with this offseason to learn what the problem with the team was are on the wrong side of 30 years old and looked a step slow on Monday night. Player tracking data has backed that up even from 2021. The Vikings missed their window to move on from these players and recoup any sort of meaningful assets or cap space, restructuring contact, contracts and pushing money into 2023 and beyond. The Eagles were better than the Vikings in 2017 and are now better in 2022, and they're in a better spot in 2023 and beyond. But congratulations, Vikings. You won the moral victory of going 7-9 and nine in 2020 while the Eagles went 4-11-1. Can you fight that take? Uh,
1: not only can not only can I not fight that take, I don't want to fight that take. That take reads a little bit like it was written by me <laughs> under a non-diploma and sent Over into it Over at Viking's Wire. I might write it at Viking's Wire. I might write it at Viking's Wire. No, that's a, you know what? Yes, this is why. Look, I get what they're doing, all right? And I'm not going to rain on the parade because if they can win... This year, it's going to be fun. And I would like to see the Vikings win games. It's more fun for everybody. But that being said, that encapsulates from a football perspective, from a perspective of if, like, I was an executive, exactly how I think. That
0: note. Yeah, and I, I will say this. I, I stand by my apology after week one, and that now that I have seen what this thing is capable of looking like week one, Now that I've gotten a feel for Kevin O'Connell here, I am I am fine with the Vikings decision to see if they've got one last hurrah here, like early in the Kevin O'Connell era. Yes. But if this thing, if they finish with eight wins again or seven wins again, you have to nuke it in the offseason. You have to. There's to me, there's no other option.
1: My jealousy from that, that note, like if you take every part of that note and and ask, okay, rank the jealousy factor of what that person is saying, which is, which is uh, to me intriguing. My jealousy is this, it's the bad year that Philly had. That's what I wanted. That's what we all wanted. Just take that but step. But nobody.
0: But do we? We are so afraid of that. And I know. We but, think here's what. But, here's the problem. No, this no. is the complex that we've had. And then by the way, and I and I think we're now we're like kind of relitigating stuff from January. But I I am fully engaged in this season. I think they're still going to win double digit games this season, mm-hmm. and I want to see it play out. But to relitigate this, we have such a paralyzing fear of a four win season because the Vikings have only had like five in team history where it's just been train wreck. We pride ourselves on avoiding the train wreck. We're always yeah. relevant, always fighting for playoffs. Ownership always wants to forge on and push forward, right? I think we think if they take a step back, it's going to be like a Lions situation where be careful what you wish for. You take a step back, and now you're going to be 50 years of doldrums or 10 years of doldrums or whatever it is. And that's the thing. I have enough confidence in this organ, This organization for decades has maintained relevance. They bounce back from bad seasons, and so I actually have a ton of confidence that if they did have to go, if let's say they had to go through a four-win season because they just had to reset the cap and everything, cool. They're going to bounce back like they always do and be right back into contention in a year or two, and they'll and they'll find a way. Whether they find the quarterback or not, they always find a way. They made the playoffs with Christian Ponder. They made the playoffs with Tavares Jackson, with Teddy Bridgewater, and so maybe my message here is if things don't go the way that people hope in 2022, Do not fear a reset. And the Eagles are a great example of what can happen. They said, you know what, nine wins, back-to-back seasons. And they did the reset sort of half intentionally, I think, because they still had Doug Peterson around and some good players. But um, they went 13 wins, Super Bowl, nine wins, nine wins, early playoff exit, then the four-win reset. And then they were right back to nine wins in playoffs the year after that. Yep. It was a one-year thing.
1: Yep. And if you believe in Kwesi in and O'Connell and this new staff, then I think that they, at some point in time, very soon here, deserve the opportunity to put their plan into motion. And and it's a cold day in hell where, where that plan is, let's just run things back. Like, that's not how people that take these jobs think. So the point is, if you believe, if they had said Rick Spielman's going to draft and, and, try and try and rebuild this, I'd be like, really? Are you going to do that? I mean, the quarterback thing's been sketchy. But if you believe in what in where the Vikings are going with a much younger GM and coach, I do think that there would be excitement, Phil and Dex, in in trying to hit a reset button that actually might be fun to watch in the entire process.
0: Yeah, but uh, but enough about resets. It's about beating the Lions this week is what I think everyone uh, would say. I did too. Uh, Chris Solheim says, guys love the show. Inspired by the 98 Vikings discussion earlier this week. And uh, he sends a picture. I should have sent this to Declan. He sent a picture of his 1998 <laughs> Vikings Conference Championship hat. Yeah. The ones Whoa. that were supposed to be triumphantly put on the winning Vikings heads for post-game interviews and champagne popping. What? Then once the collapse happened, the Vikings were... Uh, Mm-hmm. Uh, the, 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 these hats were quietly packed up and sent to children in third world countries that's what they do i guess at least one of these got away and he has one my uncle has it one. makes me one wonder... does he yeah my uncle has an, a 98 championship hat
1: <laughs> oh god that's yep. awesome <laughs> Yeah, oh. i don't know how he
0: got it but i know he has one.
1: <laughs> oh boy Dude, that is those are not hilarious. supposed to get out
0: it makes me wonder if some kids over there think the vikings are The most successful team in the NFL, thanks to all the swag they get after our horrible losses. (laughs) Boy, these guys are going to the Super Bowl every year? Two thousand seventeen, two thousand nine, man, two thousand one, yeah, they must be good. Two thousand, or whatever. Uh, Anyways, uh, I keep that hat displayed as a reminder to myself to never get too confident in the team, no matter how good they look. Keep up the good work, holding the team accountable. Maybe one day we'll get to see a real championship hat.
1: That is awesome. I love that.
0: Uh, by the way, I, late last night after a big glass of red wine, found some fun hats on eBay that I ordered oh, that God. I'll be debuting on the show at like, some point. Like Vikings hats or what? Let's just say there's some fun fun things when you type in 1998 Vikings oh, okay. into the eBay search bar. Is it, yeah. Are they used hats? Are they new? You can, I had that question too. Because you don't seem like a guy to so buy d- a used hat. I, w- I do not. I was very paranoid about this. <laughs> yeah. So you you can check a box that says new right. or pre-owned. And so I check the new box, and I make sure that in the picture they got the tag on the hat. Now, does that guarantee that someone didn't wear the hat at some point? You know. It's like but if you go to a store and Carfax. buy a hat, people. <laughs> this hat was in an <laughs> accident.
1: <like>
0: <laughs> yeah, what's the history of this hat? I need to know. <laughs> um, let's see here. Uh, Jeffrey Fournier via the Score North app. I've been a Vikings fan since the early 80s. I'm just a year younger than Judd, but much better looking. Shots
1: fired. That's not very difficult, dude.
0: I have just recently found you guys on YouTube. Today I watched the Ventline show for the first time, and boy, oh boy, not being local, I had no idea other Vikings fans were so darn whiny and pessimistic. I know it's early, but we are currently the third seed in the NFC, people. I'm listening to 17-year-old kids ready to hang it up already. (laughs) That kid's parents should be ashamed. If that whole generation is that soft, we are all in a lot of trouble. I was 17 in 1987, and to this day, it is my all-time favorite Vikings year. Did it end in tears, sadness, and despair? Of course it did, as I'm sure this year and every other year of that young fella's life will. But that's all part <laughs> well, of this glorious experience. You know, I'm with Jeffrey on this one. So he's you embracing lean, the sock. Lean into the despair, okay? I feel like the despair has become part of our identity as Minnesota sports fans around here. I don't know what we would... What what are we going to do when one of these teams finally breaks out and wins a championship? We're not going to know what to bitch about anymore. Just like the Cubs, right?
1: Half of my family
0: gatherings are just, like, bitching about sports, you know?
1: Yeah. I mean, there's... But if they... So... But what if we went through a stretch where a few teams got good and, and... try to imagine this became a bit like Boston. We're like, we went from season to to season. I I know, but what if we went from season to season for like a four year stretch where a bunch of teams had a chance?
0: I don't even know what, I don't even know how to, my mind is not computing with that. would.
1: I mean, we'd become arrogant. We'd become insufferable. Be great. It'd be fantastic.
0: Yeah. Yeah, I'd love to know. At some point, I would love to know what Let's start with one championship. Super Bowl here,
1: Rose Bowl there, NBA, the the LOB playing for that at uh at Target Center.
0: You know, I just I just thought of something off this. A lot of people ask us, what are you going to do? Your slogan on Purple Daily is we just want a Super Bowl before we die. Yeah. What are you going to do the day after that happens? How like that the identity of your show is we want a Super Bowl before we die. The day that that happens, the, well, let's celebrate it for one day, and then the slogan changes to "We just want one dynasty before we die."
2: We have to change the two, slogan because three, yeah. four. If they have to change the slogan because we won the one, GD Super Bowl, that is the best problem that this podcast has ever had. Yeah, I, is, I wouldn't call. I wouldn't call it a problem. I wouldn't call it a problem either. Right? Yeah, we'll take it. We'll, yeah, we'll take that. No personal problem. problem. or, and, yeah. or you got us there. <laughs>
1: Perhaps if that were to be the the case the day after that, my dance card might get yanked because you never know. Like a superpower could look down from up above. You mean your dance as in like your life? My life. I'm saying a, a power that goes well beyond us could look down and be like, okay, Judd, you got your Super Bowl.
0: Bang. You know what the Vikings have been like over the past 60 plus years? What's that? A walking case of erectile dysfunction. That's what the Vikings have been. And thanks to our friends at Valley Park Medical Clinic. If you suffer from this ailment, they can help you out. Their approach is non-invasive. It's medical, but it's non-invasive. They are highly trained professionals that will work with you in a discreet manner. And they will help you solve this potentially embarrassing problem. Okay, Get a handle on this area of your life, guys. If you're in the greater Minneapolis area, go to valleyparkmedicalclinic.com. Valley Park Medical Clinic, here to help you. Also, a shout-out to our friends over at Federated Mutual Insurance Company for helping businesses maximize their level of success for over 100 years. They're based in Owatonna. I've I've met so many different people at Federated. A lot of them are also long-suffering Minnesota sports fans. Um, Their history is rich with innovative, committed people that are here to help your business. They measure their success by the success of your business. Federatedinsurance.com, where it's our business, to protect yours. And that is a Feedback Friday episode in the books here, boys, just helping people with therapy. And uh, you can, as always, you can find us right after the Vikings-Lions game ends on Vikings Vent Line exclusively on the Purple Daily YouTube channel. Click subscribe so you can get an alert when we go live. And uh, the email address to save to get on, if you want to put a request in to get on, is vikingsventline at gmail.com. See you guys tomorrow.